Who owns the truth? That's me. My voice echoing with this otherworldly resonance through the monumental halls of Linz Post City. Who owns the truth? The theme of this year's Aus Electronica Festival weaves its way through the dark, silent corridors, gliding past the dormant forsaken machines that once pulsated as the nerve center of this massive postal distribution hub. It's June the 2nd as I'm standing all alone within this immense labyrinth of steel and concrete. For now the halls are hushed and void, but they stand on the brink of transformation. The sprawling site, encompassing about 430,000 square feet, awaits grand plans of metamorphosis. By 2024 it's slated to house apartments, offices, a hotel, commercial zones, as well as an underground parking space. But before this grand drive into a new epoch of commercialization, the post city will play one last cultural role. One final time in September, it will serve as the stage for the Ars Electronica Festival. Help me know the truth. Who owns technology? What is the truth behind technology? The very important question is how can truth become something that can't be owned at all? We always try to be within that triangle, art, technology and society. I'm Sarah Krische. Over the recent month, I've been delving deep into the heart of Linz. I've explored the sites where this year's festival is building into existence. I've immersed myself into the huge archives of Ars Electronica, conversing with the artists, researchers and visionary minds behind the festival. Seeking the answer to this year's question, who owns the truth? A quest in pursuit of answers. Who owns the truth? The Ur1 Festival podcast for Ars Electronica. Episode 1. Who owns the truth? So, is it even possible to definitely answer this question? Truth is a construct of human intellect. Its definition mutable over time and its understanding deeply reliant on cultural, historical and individual contexts. So I decide to reach out to ours directly for more information. As I travel by train to the upper Austrian capital, I find myself thinking about the advertising slogan in Linz begins, meaning somewhat, it begins in Linz. The slogan was established in 1973 and is older than myself. But this catchphrase, why so ever, etched itself into my consciousness. While on the train, I start googling slogans since then, as they had drifted more or less unnoticed by me. Linz comes alive, Linz changes, and in 2021 there was a small uproar when a promotional video from Linz Tourism with the slogan Hashtag Linz is Linz intentionally somewhat played with the negative stereotypes associated with the city. Linz is a city for retired people. Linz a city for people being a bit racist. But since this bold step ultimately won them a golden dolphin at the Cannes Corporate Media and TV Awards, everything's fine now. Do you want Fiaker? Go to Vienna. Are you looking for Mozart? Look in Salzburg. Linz is Linz, a dry tautological statement that somehow says nothing and everything at the same time. 
Yet in the context of my research, it speaks surprisingly profound truth that cannot be disputed. Linz can only be Linz, nothing else. Yet the city surpasses its own identity, transforming into an international stage. Welcome. Welcome. During the Ars Electronica festival, Linz steps out of its comfort zone, journeying into uncharted territories of innovation, novel ideas and progressive thinking. And it's turning into a hub for creativity and global exchange. Post-City, one of this year's key venues, is just a casual stroll away from the central station. You simply walk out the main entrance, turn left from the park and you're there. It's impossible to miss, even for me. However, this exploratory venture concludes almost as swiftly as it begins, as I am faced with locked doors. Chains, I don't know if you can hear them, but they're really huge. Okay, so literally post-city is a post-city. Like there is little yellow post buses, motorcycles. I think it's e-motorcycles, by the way. And bicycles, of course. Linz is full of bicycles. It's a beautiful day early in June, so I decide to walk to the Ars Electronica Center. There, I'll be meeting with the artistic director, Gerfried Stocker. And I'm not only hoping for insightful views into the festival, but also that he might just happen to have the key to the post-city in his pocket. As I walk through the park towards the main square, I wonder whether science fiction author William Gibson took the same path. He coined the terms cyberspace, cyberpunk and matrix. And in 1990 he visited Ars Electronica and gave quite the interesting lecture, where he stated that Whatever technology is hailed as great and fantastic, one should always first ask three questions. You should ask yourself what a policeman, a politician or a criminal might do with it. Furthermore, whenever you see a policeman, a politician or a criminal with a new piece of technology, ask yourself what you might do with it. The speech of another science fiction author, Bruce Sterling, seems almost prophetic from today's perspective. It is not impossible that cyberspace will be outlawed entirely. The window will be carefully shuttered, lest chill winds disturb the paying customers. A properly designed cyberspace might well be the ultimate shopping mall, since it carries all the horrible virtues of shopping malls to a new extreme Since the first Ars Electronica festival in 1979, Linz has welcomed a veritable who-is-who who from the worlds of art, research and society. Art is all about bringing us to other states of consciousness. The pioneer of digital and telecommunication art, Roy Escott, Marvin Minsky, one of the developers of artificial intelligence. What are we going to do 50 years from now? We're going to make a little operation. Then the computer sends out a billion let's say 10 to the ninth little wires, and these go to the different parts of your brain where the thinking is happening. And uh, you could say this is science fiction, and indeed it is. Uh, all good engineering is science fiction when it starts. The performance artists Delac, as well as Laurie Anderson. Last year she visited the festival. In 2020 she listened online to a song she composed. 
Song for Bob. What a lovely thing to write some songs for your friends. So uh, this is a song that I wrote. Um, it's for Bob Hurwitz. Performed at the Ars Electronica Center by Dennis Russell Davies. If you want to listen to the whole song, you can find the link in the show notes. It's really an endless list of inspiring, creative and innovative people who all have visited the Ars Electronica Festival at some point. They have exhibited works, participated in panel discussions or simply visited. And I find myself thinking that, just like me, they must have walked this path from the train station to the Ars Electronica Center at some point. Though, after nearly half an hour of walking, I start suspecting that some of them might have opted for a taxi. As long as violence suddenly stems from love, I am a feminist, is written in large pink letters on a massive semi-transparent banner stretching over four floors of a building. Beneath it, cars bottleneck across the Nibelungen Bridge. Just beyond this commotion lies the Ars Electronica Center. I cautiously navigate the humble sidewalk, ever vigilant for cyclists darting by in audacious zigzag patterns. It's 10 a.m. and the rush hour pulse of the city is palpable. <laughs> At the end of the bridge, Gefried Stocker is already waiting for me. He is the artistic director and managing director of Ars Electronica. And he takes me past the Ars Electronica Center into a comparatively inconspicuous building where the organizational heart beats. It's where the festival is coordinated, exhibitions are planned and partnerships initiated. On our way to the meeting room, I get a crash course in quantitative figures and statistics. Ars Numerica. 220 people work for Ars Electronica GmbH, 12 of whom are solely dedicated to the festival. In the month leading to the event in the hot phase, the stuff is increased as needed. By the end, in September, it's around 300. In 2019, prior to the onset of the pandemic, the festival drew a record-breaking crowd of 110,000 attendees. Furthermore, the program showcased the work of an unprecedented 1,449 artists and scientists hailing from 45 different countries. This year, 40 international universities will be at the festival. There are 20 EU collaborations, and the topic of education will be a significant focus. And that's not so much to meet the motto, who owns the truth. But, as Stocker explains, many works in view of systems like ChatGPT are at the moment dealing with the question of education. Another important point is, of course, when we say who owns the truth, is the whole question of ownership. Ownership of the infrastructures that are, of course, in the digital age extremely important, but not only. Uh, but how can we come to a new understanding and maybe also definition of who owns the lines, the fiber cables, the satellites, who owns the data that are being transported on it. And again, ChatGPT is just a wonderful example to really look at this in, in, in all the, the dimensions that is there. because Or it brought it to the surface. Maybe it, it brought it to the surface, it brought it to our attention. Yeah, I mean, this is anyway. 
another whole series of podcasts. Yeah, well, back to the main topic. Who owns the truth? I asked Gefrit Stocker to elaborate further on how the issue of infrastructure significantly intersects with the topic in his perspective. Who controls the infrastructure that is necessary to produce truth as, so to say, the synchronous experience of a collective, of a community? Then you don't own the truth, but you own the instruments to create truth. We have this idea that truth is something that is neutral and this is there like an entity. But of course, truth is always created. Truth is being made. And a very important part is, of course, that we have a kind of collective common agreement about things that we are experiencing. No matter which methods lead us to this, but when we believe together, this is what we have experienced then automatically it becomes truth. And when you have the power to control the mechanism to, so to say, elevate information, experiences, ideas into the state of being a truth, then of course you have a very powerful position. And the digital media in particular, we have seen it with social media utilized by politicians, but I think even more so for a much longer time already by marketing and advertisement uh, has definitely demonstrated um, the importance, the relevance of uh, ownership of infrastructure. In the self-image of ours as an interface of art research and society, the festival also aims to be more than just a parade of celebrities. Wir wollen das zeigen, was im Moment brodelt, was im Moment aktuell ist. Da ist natürlich immer work in progress dabei. Und ich glaube, das Wichtigste... Gerfried Stocker really points that out. Ours seeks to represent a range of cultural expressions from students to professionals. Die Sinneseindrücke dieses Sensoriums, wenn sprachlich dabei bleiben, dann zu etwas zu manifestieren, das im Rahmen dieser Woche des Festivals tatsächlich dann zugänglich wird, das diskutierbar wird, das hinterfragbar wird. And this year, the representation of art will question, contextualize or reinterpret truths. However, I still haven't managed to get to the heart of this year's festival, the Post City. But thanks to Gefrit Stocker, that's about to change. I'm getting in there in the next episode.